This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Listeners, welcome to The Hand Cell, a special weekly installment of Get Book that's all about books that we just can't resist shouting about. This is Amanda Nelson, and today's Hand Cell is We Have Always Been Here by Samra Habib. This comes with trigger warnings for racism and child abuse. Before we get into it, let's hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Penguin Young Readers. So this book I'm about to tell you about is giving five worlds meets spirited away realness. It's about a girl fighting her way back home after getting trapped in the spirit world. It follows Anzu, who's moved to a new town during Oban, a time for families to remember and celebrate their ancestors. And ever since her Albachan died, Oban has lost its magic. She doesn't feel much like celebrating anymore. So while avoiding holiday festivities, Anzu spots a stray dog down the street, a dog that seems to be staring right at her. So when she chases it, she slips and falls down a bridge, losing consciousness. And when she awakes, she's in the Shinto underworld known as Yomi. The stray dog, she finds out, is actually the gatekeeper of Yomi, and he warns her to return to the human realm before it's too late. Like I said, Miyazaki realness, um, I'm super excited for this. So make sure to pick up Anzu in the Realm of Darkness by Mai K. Nguyen. And thanks again to Penguin Young Readers for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best she's brilliant charismatic quick-witted funny they fall in love but the thing is she's number six so if he is to have seven great loves does that mean his time with arena is going to come to an end so this is a love letter to western pop culture eastern traditions and being a first generation new yorker make sure to check it out and thanks again to flat iron books publisher of 888 love and the divine burden of numbers by abraham chang for sponsoring this episode <laughs> Okay, so we have always been here. The subtitle is A Queer Muslim Memoir by Samra Habib. I picked this up because it was a Canada Reads 2020 selection. Uh, it was a big bestseller in Canada, and it also got a Lambda Award, a Lambda Literary Award for Lesbian Memoir or Biography in 2020. The Lambdas are a great series of literary awards. If you don't follow those, I, I super recommend it. Awards for Queer Lit come out every year. Okay. So Samra grew up in Pakistan. Her family are Ahmadi Muslims from Pakistan. And this is a, a like really quiet and small kind of sect of Islam in Pakistan. And they experienced regular threats from extremists, Islamist, Islamic extremists, 
who think that Amadis are, you know, heretics, essentially. And so her childhood became increasingly more and more dangerous living in Pakistan, where uh, her family were getting death threats, uh, people were getting, you know, attacked on the street. So they left, they became refugees, and her family came to Canada. Um, she faced a whole bunch of other, you know, difficulties in Canada. Bullies, a lot of racism. Her family was very poor. Her mom came over with the kids first and then her dad came later. Her family were very fundamentalist, very conservative. They made her wear the hijab. She was not allowed to do a lot of a lot of socializing outside of going to school, coming home. And then her mother puts her in an arranged marriage when she's a teenager. So she was, I think, 16 or 17, uh, going to high school. And her mother arranges for her to marry her cousin. And she cannot figure out a way out of it, you know, and how could she? She's a child. And it happens. She marries her cousin in a religious ceremony. And she eventually realizes, you know, like, I can't live like this. Um, he is very controlling. He starts telling her what she can and can't read. Uh, it's a whole just awful situation. So she leaves. She runs off, uh, runs away, tells her mother that she's not going to stay married to this guy. So the marriage is annulled in the religious community. And it's a big embarrassment to her family. Her, her mother is kind of ostracized because, you know, like, you can't raise your daughter right. And Samra herself isn't accepted in, in her community anymore. So she leaves and tries to make her own life. She ends up living with a boyfriend and working, uh, I think it like Bath and Body Works, but it was some kind of some retail job. I don't remember the exact retailer, but she starts working retail. She's going to school and she ends up getting married again, this time to like her boyfriend, but doesn't feel any real connection with him. They grow apart. And over time, she starts to explore different aspects of her identity, including her queerness and her love of art. So she becomes a photographer, uh, which is funny because my last, <laughs> I'm realizing right this second accidental theme, my last episode of The Handsell was also about a queer woman of color who ends up becoming a photographer. That was accidental, but that's cool. Hey, queer ladies who take pictures. I will apparently read all your memoirs. So Summer becomes a photographer. She gets really deep into art and starts traveling the world with various romantic partners on her own. And one of the reasons why I loved this book so much is because, you know, at the time of this recording, we have been in self-isolation, in quarantine, or whatever you want to call it, for Margie, let me do this, five months. And so the idea of getting on a plane and going to Berlin and exploring your sexual identity and going to all of these great cultural sites or Paris, or all of these really, you know, elegant places that she goes to was such a dream. So I was definitely traveling through Samra's, like, experience. And so she realizes that she can no longer identify as straight. She starts hanging out with more queer people. Uh, and then really starts pinpointing the idea that queer Muslims have always existed and continue to exist and should be given voices and should be given spotlights and the, there should be room in the faith community for queer Muslims. So she, she creates this photography project where she goes to different countries taking photographs of queer Muslims and following their activism, following their lives. Some countries she can't publicize their photos because in some countries they would be executed uh, or face other forms of oppression. So. She goes on this quest, you know, to like open up her faith community to people like her. And uh, it's just really hard, you know, like that is a hard thing to undertake. That's a lot of weight to put on your shoulders to feel responsible for making room in a, in a community that, you know, isn't willing to be to make room at, for people who are like you at the moment. So there's this really wonderful scene where she's she's home in Canada and she goes to a mosque that is queer affirming and she the, the entire you know congregation I don't I don't 
is congregation the right word? All of the people there, you know, I've, Southern Baptist language is the language that I have. The entire room is full of people like her in some way or the other. And so she just feels so welcome. She has this kind of coming home moment with her faith that's really beautiful because she never leaves it. It leaves her, you know, through her life. Uh, she never leaves being Muslim. She just is pushed out by people who won't accept who she is. Uh, there's also uh, a coming home literally where she comes home to her family. And that's a really... It says there's a lot of closure there. She's a she's young. When she wrote this memoir, I think she was in her maybe late 20s. And so she's like out there taking photos. She's still working on her project. And it's a it's a short read. It packs a huge punch. So if you're looking for something, I don't know, like it's only 230 pages. So if you want something with a lot of bang for your buck for your reading time, especially if you're the kind of reader right now who's like not able to read a lot because of like the stress of the world, I think that this would be a good pick. So that's We Have Always Been Here, a queer Muslim memoir by Samra Habib. Thank you so much for listening. And also, special thanks to our audio editor, Jen Zink. You can email us at getbooktobookright.com, review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us online. I'm on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson. Jen is on Twitter at Jen IRL and on Instagram at I am Jen IRL. That's Jen with two N's. And we'll talk to y'all later. Bye.